Hello, and welcome to Fraud Talk, the ACFE's monthly podcast. I'm Jason Zirkel, the training director for the ACFE. In honor of United States Veterans Day, we have a special panel for today's podcast. Today, I'm joined by Collins Wanderi, ACFE regent and forensic auditor, fraud examiner, and security intelligence analyst at Collins Wanderi and Company. Monica Meeks, financial services investigator at the Tennessee Department of Commerce and Insurance and Bill Stakes, the Chief of Economic and Property Crimes at the U.S. Army CID Investigations and Operations Directorate. So in addition to being CFEs, all of our panelists today are military veterans. And so we're gonna discuss some of the skills that military veterans bring to the table in their work as fraud examiners. And this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because in addition to being a CFE, and being on staff with the ACFE, I am also a veteran of the U.S. Army. So I want to welcome our panel and thank all of you for joining us. I want to begin by asking each of you to spend five or six minutes just telling your story, just, you know, how you became a CFE, um, spend, you know, a little time talking about your time in the military. Uh, So uh, Monica, if you want to start us off, we'd like to hear your story. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for this opportunity. My name is Monica Meeks. I am a proud 20-year Army retiree. I had the pleasure of retiring from Fort Campbell, Kentucky, 101st Screaming Eagles, Aerosol, all the wonderful things that you hear. And my husband and I decided to stay here in Middle Tennessee, which is, I call it Clark's Vegas, Tennessee. And we've been here longer than we've been any other place our adult lives. So absolutely love Montgomery County. Absolutely love Clarksville, Adams, Tennessee area, which is 45 minutes north of Nashville. So initially I thought because my background is human resources, I started off as a postal clerk at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, spent some time in Korea, and then they merged the MOSs. So I was able to become human resources uh, specialist sergeant. So really loved all the aspects of being HR and just having conversations with people and mainly taking care of soldiers. So I thought I wanted to pursue a degree in human resources. I got my associate's degree from Troy University in business and then decided I don't really like doing math too much. (laughs) So I switched over to criminal justice, not knowing what career field I would fall into. But also my last assignment after a 20 year career was the inspector general's office. So I had to go to Fort Belvoir for three week, very intense course. And normally with the Army, 70 is passing, but when Inspector General, you have to have an 80 on every test and there are no retakes. So that was a very rigorous school and that made me even more passionate about becoming criminal justice. So really enjoyed not having any soldiers my last three years at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and just fell in love with having conversations, investigations, interviews with high-ranking officials and still being professional. So just fell in love with criminal justice um, as a career. So eventually got my bachelor's degree from Troy University. We actually have an off-site campus here in Clarksville from for Troy University because they're based in Alabama. So they have a, I had to go in and take tests. Very, very challenging, but very appreciative that they had a brick and mortar place right here in, in Clarksville, Tennessee. So I went from there, I actually went to, they had a interview process where they were looking the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. They were looking for uniformed police officers as well as special agents. And I had my degree at that time and I had two years left in the military. So I went to the fair that they had, the job fair and 
I was the only female there. Most of the people there were rangers. So I thought that they would be, you know, the ones that most likely to uh, be selected. But actually I was the one that was selected. So I was offered a tour of TBI and actually became a uniformed police officer for two years. So again, just criminal justice. And I think I had a limited understanding of what a criminal justice degree meant. I thought it meant that I had to be a police officer. So that was the natural route that I decided to take was one of the oldest graduates, 38 years old, when I graduated from the Tennessee Law Enforcement Training Academy. So that opened up many doors. And then I started talking to other people who had criminal justice degrees. And I found out you don't have to have a badge and a gun just because you have a criminal justice degree, that there are so many other things that you can do with a criminal justice degree. So I proudly gave up my badge, my gun, went to the comptroller's office, and also received an increase, a significant increase in pay for um, investigating financial crimes. There's more money involved in that than actual kicking in doors. So that piqued my interest. And I noticed everybody at the comptroller's office was a certified fraud examiner. And I was like, oh, so is that a requirement? So I decided also to uh, become a, a CFE, probably one of the toughest exams I've ever taken. Not so much the law aspect of it, but financial transactions, that kicked my butt because I didn't have any experience doing financial transactions and fraud. So I would say it's definitely worth it. I enjoyed, have zero regrets. I quit it many times. I quit many times um, when I was pursuing the CFE because it was a rigorous exam. And my husband was like, we don't, we don't have any quitters in this house. You have to go back. And I finally was able to pass the financial uh, transaction part of the exam and have zero regrets. So I think just being tenacious and that no quit, we don't accept defeat type mentality that my husband, who also served in the military, have definitely uh, played a huge role in me getting my CFE seven years ago. So I'm very, very, very proud of that. And have not looked back. I love investigating um, white collar crimes, financial um, crimes. Now I have moved to Department of Commerce and Insurance where I've been there for six years. And we investigate any potential violations of security and insurance fraud for the state of Tennessee. So now I'm a state regulator. So absolutely love what I do. And all of that was because of CFE. They opened so many doors for me. Well, that's great. I think you and I actually have a very similar background coming from the army, going to criminal justice and then kind of developing. I don't know about you, but I've, I've kind of always developed that almost, almost like a borderline unhealthy obsession with deviance and figuring out why people choose to break the law and break the rules and then figuring that out and investigating that and kind of picking apart that puzzle. So no, that's a, that's a great story. All right. So next I'd like to go to, uh, to Collins Wondery. So Collins, if you could tell us a little bit about your background, uh, that would be great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, my brother. And now, um, mine is an interesting story. I've been to many places. Uh, let me start with them. Uh, I studied uh, law, uh, that is Bachelor of Laws in the University of Nairobi, way back uh, in the early 90s and I left in 1996. Thereafter, I joined the Advocates uh, Training Program, uh, 1997 and 1998. And um, that meant I needed to go to the law school and uh, become an advocate, what you people in the US call an attorney at law. And upon my graduation uh, from uh, the School of Law, that's besides the academic degree, 
My first employment were, was with the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. And for some reason, uh, I was um, put in the unit that was dealing with demobilization of ex-combatants. You can imagine. Uh, uh, first time I have to deal with um, people who had fled their countries uh, from Somalia, uh, from Ethiopia, uh, parts of Uganda. There had been uh, ex-combatants or those who had, even once we had to deal with the people who had committed genocide in Rwanda. That was in the late 90s. And um, therefore, I, I got the, my first taste of dealing with people with the military experience that first had combat. Uh, those either who are running away because the states had collapsed. And um, that gave me a lot of interest. I mean, I thought it would be good to join the, the army and experience what these guys have gone through. So when an opportunity came in, in Kenya, uh, I had made friends with people who are medical doctors who are serving in the Kenya army. And uh, so I got interested in, in enlisting as a specialist officer, that is um, as an officer who was going to offer legal services. But nevertheless, I still had to go through military training. I went through military training, I joined the Kenya Air Force and uh, became a staff officer in charge of legal services, advising the commander, uh, that's the Sanre in, um, in charge of the Air Force. At the same time, uh, I also became a prosecutor in the courts martial. So, and reading reports, investigation reports by the military police and staff in confidence by the military intelligence uh, for those guys who are, uh, who are going off the line. And that again, uh, raised my curiosity. I mean, I have to read, uh, basically work with criminal investigators. I had to work with criminal investigators within the armed forces. And um, then uh, after five years on my short service commission, uh, I left and um, I joined um, the anti-corruption body in Kenya. That's the, it was then called the Kenya Anti-Corruption Commission. And I became a crime reader, basically reviewing reports of those um, of investigators and then also dealing with matters of asset recovery. At that time, I would see some people who had the designation CFE, but I never knew what it meant. And, but I got curious because I started seeing them receive magazines and those magazines had a lot of uh, very good stories and insights. And therefore, uh, just before I left the Anti-Corruption Commission, which today is the Ethics and Integrity Commission in Kenya, uh, I had become um, an associate member of the ACFE. And then uh, I was headhunted uh, by KPMG East Africa which was headquartered in Nairobi, Kenya in the year 2006. And I became the forensic and litigation services manager for Kenya and East Africa uh, for KPMG. And that is when then I met more people who are CFEs and I could see the opportunities and the information they would get which would assist and, and introducing themselves, of course, as um, CFEs. And therefore in December, 2007, I, I became a CFE. That is when I, I, I became a full CFE, um, having been an associate for one year. And subsequently, uh, because of the interest, and, and I like writing. So I would write articles in the Kenyan media, and then uh, people, I, I would then tell people in 2008, 2007, that I'm a CFE. And a lot of people would get curious, what is this CFE? And I would say certified fraud examiner. 
and and uh, because you have other qualifications and and you can imagine i was also then had just left my short service commission so i had the rank of captain so i am captain i'm an advocate i'm a certified public secretary certified fraud examiner so and a lot of people would get curious what does this mean uh, good things happen because then uh, mr james ratley who was uh, the big man at ASCFD in texas came to kenya and the Ministry of Finance, then our government ministry, I, we were able to convince them that, look, the training here is very good, the designation is good, and we're getting a lot of um, good insights and good training uh, through the um, fraud magazine, through the webinars, and uh, a lot of good things. And so the government agreed in Kenya to have 200 uh, auditors of government, internal auditors of government, working under the Ministry of Finance to be trained as CFEs. And that, is what gave me a big profile because it meant then that I have a big group of people who are depending on me for leadership. And you can also imagine having a, been into the, in the school of military leadership and command and with the discipline, with commitment, uh, being in a position to run and create strategies, visions, missions. Uh, everybody who's been a veteran knows that um, you really have to commit your time and. Uh, there are no half measures in the, in, the, in, the, in the defense forces or in the military. You really have to give your best. And um, soon thereafter, uh, the International Monetary Fund pushed the tax authority in Kenya. It was going through reforms and they needed to have what you call the internal affairs unit. Uh, Monica has mentioned that she went into criminal justice. So again, I had moved from the military criminal justice in, in the anti-corruption world then gone into the private sector. Again, I was um, moving back to government uh, to be in charge of the internal affairs unit of the Kenya Revenue Authority, where I spent a lot of time. I spent 14 years there. I set up the internal affairs unit. That means I had to work with people who had uh, left criminal investigations department. That is a CID in Kenya. Uh, investigate fellow staff, uh, create schemes of work and ensure that there's procedural fairness and then, uh, then what did I bring on in on the table? Uh, I mean, you mean you see, I have to work with the ex-policemen, ex-intelligence um, people in the in the in the internal affairs unit. So basically, we were running a regiment within another law enforcement agency. And what then would would um, what was I getting? Remember, I had just uh, been elected also as chair as the president of the ACFE in Kenya, and the the chapter in Kenya at the same time. I am here running a, a, a unit full of um, police officers, and some have gone through the, 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 the crime, the basic crime investigations training. I later went for that training too. I later went for uh, training by the, Intel, the National Intelligence Service in Kenya. Uh, so quite a number of skills. So there is a multiplicity of reasons why and, and why you gain. Remember, my profile then had risen because having founded the chapter in Kenya, uh, having uh, mobilized the recruitment uh, of very many officers in government, and then uh, leading a unit in one of the largest um, law enforcement agencies. Our tax authority in Kenya is a law enforcement agency. And um, the CFE qualification, uh, remember all the time, there's a lot, there are a lot of things. Uh, every month we, we had a fraud magazine. You receive and you have new examples of fraud typologies. You're receiving uh, new knowledge from all over the world and you're giving examples um, to colleagues and using those examples even during training. 
And um, so the qualification of CFE and the wide knowledge, and again, exchanging ideas and information across the globe with other colleagues from other countries in the forum. Then there used to be the ACFE forum and people would log in and exchange ideas. Uh, that, gave, that again gave me a lot of insights and knowledge which enabled me to do my work. So yes, I can say that the, when I joined the tax authority, I found another gentleman who was a certified fraud examiner. So we were essentially two. Then my officers registered and became associates. Later they became certified fraud examiners. So again, in another government agency, by the time I was leaving, we were between 15 and 20 certified fraud examiners because when I talked about forensic investigations, forensic audits, forensic accounting, and explain to them with my law background that anything forensic has to do with uh, of litigation or in court and justice. And then add on top of it uh, with my background in the military, where then uh, people who had worked in the police services would then uh, take it that this is one of their own. This is somebody who understands what arrangement is, what orders are, uh, what um, drafting uh, strategies and um, and directives which you do not contravene are. And so that helped me a lot. The combination of the law degree, um, the military training, and the certified fraud examiner qualification really helped me a lot. And then on top of that, when I was in the military also in Kenya Air Force, at one point I was appointed as a staff officer in charge of um, record, personnel and records. I was acting on for my colleague who had left uh, for a mission outside the country. And so I would get a lot of people bringing me files and I had to interpret matters to do with the human resource management. And Monica, you know, like you, what I did, I went back to university and I studied and, and I had to get a qualification for a postgraduate diploma or a degree in human resource management. And again, that gave me a footing. You can see, since the military required me to write good papers and explain military uh, human resource uh, and personal management issues, it forced me to go back to school. And these are now the opening. These are the things that have made um, my life easy. Um, it's easy to market yourself because um, one of the things that people are known for when you left the military is that you are disciplined, you are loyal, you, have, you exercise a lot of confidentiality, especially when you're dealing with information. And these are some of the things we come across when you're investigating things to do with um, either government, whether it is even in the private sector, people want to be sure that when they sign confidentiality clauses with investigators and auditors, that the information is safeguard, safeguarded and secure, and it will not be released uh, to any other people who are not entitled to that information. So those are some of the things that have helped me, that people trust. Or I, I would say I, I found it even better in the United States during my visit. But when you say you are a veteran, there is a lot of respect. Uh, I wouldn't say it is different in Kenya, but it's more pronounced perhaps in the United States. But even here, when you introduce yourself as a veteran, people will always tell you thank you. In the US, it's more pronounced. They'll tell you thank you for your service, for serving the country. So those are some of the gains that I've had. Now, currently, after um, in 2020, I left um, the tax authority uh, it was strange because I'd left at the height of um, COVID. Uh, we didn't know how long it was going to take and I went into private practice. But subsequently, I've been appointed to part-time positions by government, in government. I'm a member of the 
a tribunal uh, or a statute or a government tribunal that deals with um, communication and multimedia disputes. Again, dealing with the uh, communication, uh, multimedia, that is mobile communication, digital, uh, digital media uh, space. And again, that requires, you, you know, again, government has an interest there because security of information is very key to any government. Uh, again, you've got digital economy. So uh, because of my diverse background, uh, I was obviously picked. Incidentally, I wasn't picked uh, as a person uh, from, with a law degree. I was picked as a person with experience in business, uh, business systems, security. You can see again, and then with knowledge of uh, fraud, uh, the, again, you can see the impact of the CFE qualification uh, there. So uh, later on, I was also picked for another body by government to advise, it's called a wages council, to advise on wages to deal with people who are working in the retail sector, that is in the supermarket, in the hypermarkets, what you call malls in the US. Again, uh, you know, those, uh, those institutions, again, have to deal with a lot of fidelity. Uh, some, some, some don't survive a lot in Kenya and in East Africa, uh, simply because if you have pilferage and theft, uh, and they have to deal with that risk, personal risk. Uh, then they would, it's very easy for them to collapse. So they need to. They have a way of compensation, which ensures that they do not suffer losses because of theft by servant. Again, you can see again my background from the military, uh, human resource, the law degree, and the CFE, and the exposure in investigations coming in there. So currently, apart from my private sector, I'm also still have working part time for government and giving um, technical advice in those areas. And uh, I, I'm always grateful to the people who introduced me uh, to the qualification of the CFE for my time in the defense forces, because again, that opened doors. So that's my history, um, uh, brothers and sister. All right, well, thank you for that. And I, you know, you actually brought up something that I'm, I'm very glad you brought up and that was uh, report writing, you know, because if there's one skill that I think I got great at as an army intelligence analyst that definitely I've used in my career as a, as a CFE, it's report writing. And, you know, it's something that it's maybe a little boring. It's something that doesn't get a lot of, you know, discussion, you know, who wants to sit around and talk about writing reports, but it's so important, you know, to, to, to know when you're doing an investigation, everything that you need to put into that report, you know, and, and only enough information that just gets your point across, right? And uh, it's so important because when you're doing an investigation, communicating the results of that investigation are, in my opinion, just as important as the investigation itself, right? And, you know, being able to convince a prosecutor to take your case, for example. So well, thank you for that. So we're going to jump over to Bill. Bill, uh, you can round us out and kind of give us your, um, your background and uh, just tell us your story. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'll, I'll mute now. I apologize for that one. Technology, ICFA a little bit. I can actually get the technology aspects. And if it's just unmuting a button, I call that a success on some time. This is great, actually, listening to everybody's um, background. And the ACFA is a chance to recognize some veterans out there. There's so many of us within the field itself and the opportunity to meet everybody and hear their stories and their background and where they derive from, it, it just only enhances the, uh, the, the profession, anti-fraud profession itself. Not only, you know, me, I like learning about everything. I think, um, you know, my own, my own experiences is that uh, I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia. So I grew up in Norfolk, which is a Navy town. 
I'm a retired Army CID agent, uh, criminal investigation agent, federal agent with Army, and did 20 years. Uh, most of that time was actually spent overseas. Uh, kind of contributed to how I brought up. You know, I was in Norfolk, never left Norfolk, Virginia. So all I really knew was just Navy and Norfolk. You know, and I hear these stories about overseas assignments. And I'm like, that's ah, just old wives' tales, just a bunch of old sailors talking about certain things. I'm like, that's ah, not real. Um, we moved in a house with a whole bunch of like National Geographic magazines. I spent a lot of times reading it going, these places really exist outside of Norfolk? I can't believe this. No. And then, uh, you know, after high school was graduated, I always had a big curiosity in these stories. And I want to make sure, you know, things happen. And the, and the interesting part about that was that um, as I was going to school at Old Dominion University, I realized tuition rates as a cashier at the local grocery store, I couldn't really make that meet. So the Army actually said, hey, come on, join us, you know. We can actually give you the money you need for a college tuition and you can get through it. I'm like, this is great. Maybe I can go see a few things and expand my experience base. And um, luckily it did, actually. So it was good. I, I came on board. I did my first five years. I enlisted as a um, military policeman. I was given the option as an MP or I can be parachute repair. And I just didn't see myself sitting behind a sewing machine fixing parachutes. So I, I kind of went with the... Uh, with the military police background. It looked interesting. There's different opportunities. And so I did that for five years and I really enjoyed it. I mean, what 18 to 23 year old wouldn't enjoy being a first responder, you know, driving, you know, uh, patrol cars, patrolling, you're on the streets doing this. Even gate guard as a, as a private was is, is exciting to a point, you know, you controlled access to that installation. We got the badge gun. You can't come on unless we say so, uh, you know, it inflated the ego a little bit, but after a while, it kind of helped you as you matured, you realize, you know, there's much more going on. Um, I was assigned in Germany, I think it is when um, I realized that we started doing all these responding to these um, investigations that are going ongoing and all numerous. I mean, not a whole bunch of stuff, you know, not necessarily fraud, but more of drug cases or assault cases, whatever it may be. And I started realizing, have a passion. I want to know more, not just responding, taking care of the system. I like to see where does that investigation process go? So as I did that, I talked with a CID agent, came on board, and he said, well, have you thought about CID? And he told me about the program within um, Army Criminal Investigations and to be a, um, a felony investigator. And so I applied and I was, I was accepted. And um, the, next, the next 15 years, I actually worked as a CID special agent for the Army, which was great because it's a different kind of Army. I'm always, this is my uniform of the day normally. And typically we're just, we're, our job, and peacetime and wartime was always the same. You are a criminal investigator, and that's what you did. Now, the different disciplines you worked on um, throughout your career, uh, it, it helped out. So, I mean, you start off in general crimes, and then we went out to um, uh, drug crimes, and that was exciting. You know, a young man doing that, but after realize I can't really go and kick in doors anymore. I got to find something a little bit more. Let's get a little bit better. I think as it came on, I think um, uh, economic crimes or fraud-related crimes came in about, like, now kind of mid-career aspect of it. And I realized one thing that a, a, a good fraud investigation doesn't call you up at, you know, at uh, midnight on a Saturday. So, you know, you could actually, I had the whole weekend without a call coming in. This is fantastic, you know, and, and, um, and the, and the cases that came up were always, uh, they're always different. They were always unique. And it got that fuel, that, that fire, that passion started coming up, you know, I need to get more about this. So I continue working on the fraud side of the house. And, um, you know, because it's always about different processes, you know, it's all within the army, but the army is itself is its own city, its own function, its own. There's so many different type of um, uh, aspects going on, so many programs and processes. 
So in an economic crime side of the house and the fraud, it, you were always learning something new. So that whole lifelong learning thing, I wanted to do that and experiencing different things. It helped out with my fraud um, uh, field. So, you know, from there, I actually um, moved up. I did a lot of time. I said in Germany, I was in Korea and Okinawa. So I had a lot of time opportunities to work with other law enforcement um, uh, professionals in other foreign countries. But mostly it was always kind of in that bubble, the army. And uh, it wasn't really until my end of my career. I retired out of um, at a second high in Germany, out of Heidelberg. And um, I got I was the operation officer for the um, uh, our special investigation and fraud field office. And you started dabbling a little bit into procurement frauds, custom frauds, um, cyber just started coming up and, and out. So cyber crimes come up and I'm like, that's this is all brand new. This is exciting. You know, why is it happening now as I'm getting ready to retire? You know, because I really wanted to get into this. And then um, I started focusing on logistics because we had problems. Iraq was starting to kick off a lot and we had a lot of problems with um um, container thefts or false claims issues and and the money was just being you know um, uh, fraud was involved so much in our contracts and everything else so my boss said why don't you um, apply to come work still with CID but with our major procurement fraud unit so I applied for that and I was accepted so the past I had to look it up here and do how much time has passed I'm like I retired in 2005 has it been that long ago 17 years now I've been a, with um, uh, the Army Criminal Investigation Command as a civilian federal agent and um, you know I left and I went to work doing logistics so I actually went to be their liaison for our Army Transportation um, Corps the Surface Deployment Distribution Command I learned all about transportation I didn't know about the different crimes you have in that side, side of the house I know each program that you have you will find some element of fraud I just totally understand that um, but I did not realize how much you would see until you actually start going into these different uh, divisions so as an agent um, embedded with the uh, the transporters you start seeing what they're seeing you know and understanding oh now i see what's going on here um as it develops they say well army materiel command takes care of all the logistics the big brother they actually had some problems with procurement issues and they brought me up to fort belvoir virginia and there we stood up the army contracting command going on a lot of stuff in iraq southwest asia um, a lot of contract fraud was hitting the news constantly. It just seems like there was no controls in place and there was just a free for all. It was like Wild West. So as a fraud agent, there's never, you know, oh, fraud, that's not sexy at all. You know, that's we, we like my fraud at all. You know, I'm like, I tell you, that was some of the, I hate to say best times, but as a fraud agent, those are some of the most um, interesting times happening is everything, all the crime that was going on. It seemed like that's terrible to say that in Southwest Asia, but. The bribery was so prevalent. I mean, you sit down at your your dining facility or your defect, we call them, and the conversations you hear, just normal conversations all surrounded corruption, bribery, this. I'm like, this is not just CID talking. This is everybody talking about, can you believe this person is ripping us off for this much money and this? So my bubble started expanding a little bit to other Department of Defense, everybody. And then when we come back over to uh, uh, the U.S. and stuff, I was actually said, well, why don't you come over to... Um, represent us for our international contract and corruption task force and um, that was up in dc up with the fbi out of chinatown up there somewhere and we went out in there and we the, the the investigations we did as a collective of all these different agencies and activities really opened my eyes outside that army bubble what's happening and learning what's going on out there uh, i realized that there's a lot i didn't know there's a ton of stuff i don't know and uh, so I actually uh, continued to say, you know what, I need, to, I need to get some more education here. So I, I applied for the, um, uh, under Utica, Utica College has had, back then they had the economic crime uh, management course. 
So I applied for that course and up through Utica when I was in the ICCTF, I started realizing that, oh, there's a ton of stuff I don't know <laughs> out there. You know, what you, 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 the knowledge you don't know is what you don't know, I guess. Um, I forgot the old saying behind it. But you go up there and you start learning what the um, private sector is doing. You start learning about socks um, aspects. You start learning about uh, more about digital currency. Um, you start learning everything. There's so much stuff going on. And then I, that's when I found out about this. I always knew about CFE, but I didn't really. How can that help me out at all? It was when I was at college up there. We started learning all the resources available. So you start putting pieces of puzzle together. Oh, there's so much more I could have helped me out doing my investigations as I was coming up in the army. And um, uh, after that, I went to finish, got my master's with uh, Utica. And then at the same time, I, I started studying out for the CFE and I, I procrastinated. I, I didn't really need it for my position. I was already, you know, I didn't really need to help me out there, but I really liked the uh, education aspect and the networking part of it. And so me and my colleague, she was the same boat I was. And she's now she was um, an agent in charge with NASA. And she finally came up to me and just said, hey, Bill, are you going to take your exam or not? And I'm like, I like to, but I just haven't got the time. You know, all the typical stuff everybody says about the CFE exam. I just don't have time for it. I can't do this. And so finally, we just went together and said, you know what? Forget it. They have a course down in Orlando. Let you and I get there, go down there, take the week course and finish the class. And um, we both did that. We got our CFE certification together. And since then, it's been great with um, the aspect is that uh, you, you always have that continued learning. Your curiosity, it continues. You know, you always um, build upon the knowledge as you have. You always learn about those current events, current trends, new investigative methodologies behind it, what resources are out there. And, and not only that, but you also the networking aspect of it is phenomenal. Whereas first you always thought you only had that investigators team set, but you didn't you quickly realize that, hey, you know, your auditors out there are the bread and butter behind you, you know, helping you out. Like Monica said, you know, I'm not really good in the financial you know, aspects. I don't I don't I, I much rather find my experts here. So I can get my auditors over here who can do that. And that with um and the captain, good captain over here, you know, on the legal side of the house, you get yourself a good attorney and, and and get you know with them and actually figure out how can you do this? How can your investigation align with the prosecution aspect of it? So you start learning and networking with everybody about this, and it's just outside that CID or the army bubble, you know, and you start realizing, or department of defense for that matter, and you start realizing that there's a lot out there you don't know, and taking the opportunity to do that. CFE has kind of filled that void and we went through that and continue to learn it. And I think that's been one of the best things I've taken from it. I mean, it's constantly, I mean, every time the magazine comes out, I'm like, oh, this is good. You know, I, I enjoy this part. I didn't think about this. How can I apply that to what I'm doing? How can I share that? Um, after I did the, um, um, after my job at the ICCTF with the contract product Southwest Asia, I was pulled into, um, um, I was pulled into, uh, well, not pulled into, excuse me, I applied for the agent in charge of the our Mid-Atlantic Fraud Field Office. And so I was doing procurement fraud for a while. And then later I was asked to come up to CID headquarters to actually start up a, a, um, a fraud a fraud program for the rest of CID that's out there uh, in our installation level. Because, you know, meanwhile, you know, with, with the war happening, most of the effort has been taken to other type of disciplines. So that's what I've been doing for the past uh, few years on that side of the house is really working to develop our um, local level, base level, installation level fraud um, aspects. Uh, team, you know, includes property crimes because economic crime is always an enabler for other cr criminal activity. And taking what I've known from uh, these investigations and um, the tools we developed, we're constantly um, get these guys to um, get better, more efficient what they're what they're doing, so we can actually protect taxpayer money that's out there.
So it's been a great career so far. And it's, you know, until this just briefing up here and talking on this podcast, it's great because you yeah, sit back and reflect. I did not realize how, how long it's been. And then, you know, and everything is happening, but I still have a good five to 10 years left up left in me. You know, I'm looking forward to continue pushing forward with this. And I uh, just really appreciate you um, giving me the opportunity to uh, come up here and talk about the veterans who are actually, you know, CFEs as well. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, something that you mentioned was funny where when you were talking about, you know, procurement fraud, maybe not being as, you know, like sexy a topic as, as maybe some other types of crime. But ironically, something that's really funny is uh, we just had uh, something that, that was recently in the news, the, the Fat Leonard scandal, uh, Leonard Glenn Francis, who was at the center of a, of a, a massive, you know, procurement fraud and corruption scandal with the U.S. Navy uh, from a few years back was just uh, captured in Venezuela on September 21st. So that's just another interesting thing that's in the news. So if you don't know the background on that Fat Leonard scandal, and I don't want to offend anybody by by saying <laughs> Fat Leonard, that's actually what everybody refers it, you know, right. refers to it as yeah. the Fat Leonard scandal. But it is a fascinating case. So if you ever have time to go look into that case, anyone, that's great. And, it, you know, it's just it's regular procurement fraud. It is. And that's one of the things we always bring up, too, when you guys talk about that. Well, what do you find in it? I said, well, we bring up the Fat Leonard case, too. You know, it's one of those cases that's going to be a, a great case study later on. It's one of those investigations that's made for a movie. So you'll see that movie. I mean, we had the case involving us and um, uh, involving War Dogs. You know, the movie came out because I use that as a, sometimes when helping guys out. It may seen the movie War Dogs. Yes. And that was our case. That's a that's a product substitution false claim case. That's, uh, you know, like, really? Yeah, I mean, besides all the comedy that's in there, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that happened did exist. It, it did happen. So it can be it can be fun, I think, in that time period. Fraud can be exciting. And I, I just try to show them. I mean, it, it gets tiring after a while working drugs and you're in these other places or you're in these um, other type of criminal activity. I mean, fraud offers you different avenues to pursue. If you know, I mean, it's not just, you know, fraud is not just procurement. You have um, cybercrime. You've got um, um, uh all, all times this one's money, money laundering. You've also got the it deals with um, virtual currency. It's just amazing how, you know, the methods and the, the way they pursue these criminal activities are continuing to advance. So, yeah. All right. So as we wrap it up, I'm just, I have one question for each of you. And that is, you know, you know, based on just your whole background, being in the military, uh, becoming a CFE, if you could give advice to anyone in the military or really just anyone thinking of pursuing a career as a CFE, what would that advice be? And so I'm gonna start with Monica. Great question. Um, for me, it would be, be proud of your service. Less than 1% serves in the military. So I wear my CFE pin proudly. I also wear my soldier for life pin proudly. So be, be very, very proud. Of, of your service, because when you're out and you're interviewing, having conversations with people, we have a way of establishing rapport as veterans. I feel just as comfortable in Memphis, Tennessee, as I do Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I don't know any strangers. And I think that all comes from the diversity of the military and, and being uh, serving alongside my brothers and sisters, no matter where they're from, we're able to establish commonality and focus on what we agree on versus what we disagree on. So be very proud of your service. Go out, look on their desk when you're interviewing, you'll be surprised. There's some connection to the military. You'll see a, 
a, a Marine Corps flag in the background. You'll see somebody whose uh, son has just finished, you know, their service training. So there's that ability to establish rapport with anybody just because of your military service. So always be very, very proud of that. And my second advice would be to take the CFE while you're on active duty so they can pay for your certification. I actually use my GI Bill to pay for some of the certifications. So take advantage of that, those opportunities you have while on active duty status. Thank you. All right, Collins Wondary, the, the same question for you. If any advice that you can give, uh, just anybody pursuing a, a career as a CFE, especially anyone in the, in the military. Yeah, um, I would tell them that um, it's, it's something very good. One, one of the things that, um, as you said, uh, there are several things that we, that we run in, in the military service, putting everything that you need to do in writing and being meticulous. Uh, in, in your tasks and um, never leaving things undone and half done. This is something that is so critical skill of any certified fraud examiner because of the nature of work. Now, if you want um, to, most of people in the military, when they leave, end up joining um, security firms, other they go into risk management. You're talking about risks that do that to deal with cybercrime digital um, the digital space virtual spaces we are meeting in virtual space it has its own risk so the only the place where you can get new um, insights uh, you have you get to learn what is going on globally from other parts of the world experiences of other people uh, in other places how the law again is also moving how people are managing risks uh, both either due to physical intrusion or uh, non-physical intrusion uh, we even now have um, uh, uh, new, new technology like drone technology and we even have drone technology and anybody who is dealing with risk management and security has to do with that then um, CFE is a good start because it gives you a, whatever work you do if you do not have a professional qualification it's basically very difficult to tell people that it, you may know how to do the work you have done it but when you add a professional qualification, a recognized and accredited professional qualification, is CFE is a global qualification, then you're just becoming better and making you a skill set, uh, making uh, getting a skill set that makes you ready even for resettlement into civilian life. So that is something I would encourage military veterans. And as Monica has said, this is not something you do after. It's, it's, it's even more advisable to, to get the skill or to, to get the qualification when you are still in service so that when you get out, then you begin, you, you have the other skill of the things you're doing and then you have a skill that then gives you um, an advantage in the civilian world. Thank you. All right, and finally, Bill, same question for you. Any advice you can give to uh, any maybe recently separated you know, service members or anyone in the military or just anyone pursuing a career as a CFE? Absolutely. Um, I, I think it's great. Monica hit right on the nail there. You know, Captain Gary, he perfect. I mean, they're, they're getting all the aspects, right? I mean, we definitely have that rapport with those service members out there, those veterans out there. You know, the soft skill sets we develop the tactfulness, right, that we have to have when we do our, our job, not, you know, to get the information we need, but at the same time, not to upset anybody in, the, in this new world, it, it, it helps out a lot on that one, you know, make sure you walk, you walk softly, but at the same time, take pride in your work, 
what you're doing. You know, like Captain Lamar said, you know, you have to be prideful about it. My biggest thing is always continue to learn. You know, I mean, you develop so many different skill sets, no matter what your discipline in the military, no matter what your discipline in the military, you learn. There's so many skill sets you have. And the CFE is just one of the areas and certification that can actually take that and um, uh, combine those skills that you have into one area as far as a fraud for anti-fraud professional. Uh, it could be, you know, with every discipline you want, you know, with um, uh, the legal aspect, the law enforcement. It's not all just law enforcement. And I think it's exciting because there's so many different aspects to it. You don't have to specialize in one area. But if you did want to specialize in one area, you could. So the guys, well, I'm just, uh, you know, the guys are leaving the service and in one discipline, I'm a fielder. Well, we don't have field artillery anymore, I don't think here. But, you know, at the same time, if you're coming out from any 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 discipline with the military, you can always take that which you've learned and apply it um, um, uh, in the future. And a CFE will help you do that. I just always say continue to learn, take pride in your work, you know, um, and get out of your comfort zone a little bit. It's going to be uncomfortable anyway when you when you leave the service. But at the same time, know you have that confidence to get out there and do that, which you do. You, pro you project that when you're outside there and the guys in the service right now, I'm actually helping them because I tell them as they're going up, I said, this is great. You know, all this, but, um, you know, having a certification and being recognized for those skill sets will enable you to get those high paying jobs when you get out. It enables you to you know, have more opportunities than others will have. So that's my advice on that one. Definitely agreed. So I do want to thank our panel again, Monica Meeks, uh, Collins Wondery and Bill Stakes, and not only thank you for joining us, but also thank you for your service. And I want to thank uh, all of our listeners. Thank you for listening. You can find this podcast along with all other episodes of Fraud Talk on acfe.com, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This has been Jason Zirkel signing off.